Welcome to That's a Wrap, episode number 14. Today we're talking about uh, the MPAA rating system with a focus on the movie This Film Is Not Yet Rated. And then in segment two, we will be talking about uh, our favorite foreign films, or if not our favorite, at least foreign films we want to recommend to you (laughs) to watch, dear listeners. So uh, with that, welcome to episode number 14. I am Eric Marshall. And I am Nick Schlegel. And I am Chris Gullen. And we are three guys with PhDs who like to talk about film, culture, and media. So uh, if you're new to the podcast, this is the part where we do what we call pickups. We do a little conversation uh, for, for a few minutes, and then we move into our, into our main feature. Um, and if you're new to the podcast, uh, we would love reviews on iTunes. Uh, and you can uh, reach our website at that's a rap show that dot com. And we're on Facebook and Twitter and all the places you would expect savvy, tech savvy people like us to be. So, Nick, what's been new with you? Well, Eric and Chris, I think you know this, but listeners don't. And that is, I have good news. I've only referenced it in about five or six episodes of That's a Rap during pickups. Oh, Eric, you're drinking a beer, aren't you? Oh, man. Yeah, man. Deviant Dales. Uh. <laughs> I really okay. Well, oh, let me get back on track here. Oh, great! That looks fantastic. Yeah, that's what. Um, you can raise <laughs> it and toast me, both of you, uh, Eric and Chris, because I have a book Curious. contract with Scarecrow mm-hmm. Press for Sex Sadism in Spain, the Spanish horror film. Yay! Yay! I'll drink to that. Yeah. Yes. Do we have Google the Google effects on so we can put applause in here? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> we'll have to do it in post. So, no, but seriously though, congratulations, Nick. I, I mean, I already knew about this, but this is yeah, congratulations. That's that's fantastic. And you're uh, you're starting on the second book. Maybe you're not ready to talk about that though. Um, yeah, I mean, no, I, I, the topic is is uh, uh, good and well to 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 talk about. I'm I'm looking at the the German cycle of Edgar Wallace films, particularly those that were. <laughs> Uh, produced and distributed by Rialto Films, and that's the Edgar Wallace Crimis, or the criminal films that were made in Germany from the late 50s to the early 70s. I'm going to examine that cycle, and I'm sure it'll like necessitate some travel to, to the National Film Archives in Berlin and do some uh, interviews, and just basically the exact same thing I did with Spain, which was go to Spain and, and interview directors and journalists. Uh, and uh, did a lot of uh, research at the Ministry of Culture all through my friend Carlos Aguilar, who set that all up for me. And so I'll be, I want to head back to Europe and do it all over again for another book, but got to finish this one first. It's, uh, it'll be, uh, I'll be sending it off to Scarecrow probably spring, and we might even see a, a late fall publication next year. So I am thrilled, ecstatic. I can't tell you how happy I am. The first, there we go. <laughs> the, uh, the first, the first contract comes with, you know, cheers and champagne. It's a, it's a glorious feeling. That's that's fantastic, Nick. We should have, uh, we should have made you go last, because uh, I mean, I don't know what Chris has going on, but I, I know what I have is 
kind of pale in comparison. But uh, Chris, what's new with you, buddy? Uh, I feel just <laughs> lazy compared to, <laughs> I compared know. to what, I know. what Nick's been doing. <laughs> yeah. uh, boy, I guess I really have to get myself in gear. No kidding. Uh, you know, just, uh, God, just teaching and writing and job applying, which are all jobs, individual jobs in and of themselves. Uh, I did go to um, the wonderful city of Savannah, Georgia, nice. uh, for the Popular and American Culture Association in the South Conference uh, last month, and that was uh, a hoot. I really, uh, really loved it. Made some great friends from colleges all over the the southern part of the U.S. and um, had some great food, great conversation. And uh, the paper went well, and it was it was just a really good time. Savannah is a fantastic city, and uh, I I God I I want to go back. Uh, one of the neatest things was sitting in the square where they filmed the opening and the park bench scenes from Forrest Gump, which took place uh, in Chippewa Square, and it's just a really neat place to uh, to sit and have a coffee and just sort of. Uh, absorb all of the the moment so it's just a it's just a wonderful city so that was great and uh other than that just preparing for the holidays preparing for the end of the term yeah that sounds great man i i've never been i've never been oh, to uh, it's savannah fantastic i i mean i it's just this such a such a historic town i mean i love some of these great classic towns in the south like savannah and new orleans and in atlanta and it just it did not disappoint so nice. really really enjoyed it Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, great. You know, it's good to have friends like Nick around to uh, remind us what we should be doing or could be doing. Exactly. Right? You know? exactly. To remind us what, what, what we do and why, yeah. why, why we got the PhD in the first place. Yeah, I know. Like, my big highlight is, uh, like, in order to fill the TV-shaped void in my life left by Breaking Bad, I'm just rewatching <laughs> The Wire for the third time. <laughs> you know? I mean, wait a second. Maybe I have my, my priorities are messed up. <laughs> no, I'm actually in the middle of a novel. I'm, I'm participating in National Novel Writing Month, um, which is, which is cool. a little sham because this is the third time I've done it. Uh, don't get too excited. <laughs> this is the third time I've done it, and this will be the third time I fail to to get fifty thousand words written in the month of November. But I'm okay with that because I've got about uh, nine thousand, and I should be at like I don't know eight, six, fifteen, or sixteen. But um, but it's okay. It's it's going to jumpstart something because as you guys know, I'm shifting a little bit into memoir and fiction as well as um, nonfiction academic writing, and um, that's that's what I'm doing. But that's you know. Um, not as nothing compared to what Nick's got going on, but well, we're all, we're but all all, busy, you know. Yeah, well, it's a, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, otherwise, um, yeah, not a whole lot. Like I said, where I'm in the I'm in season three of The Wire again, which is such a good, such a good show. No, it's the best, the yeah. greatest. Yeah. You know, Eric, I've been uh, watching. Um, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. Do you know it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Just curious. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, I, I kind of stopped watching it because it just got so silly. But it's one of those ones. It's like you know, it's like any sitcom. You have to you have to take it in doses. You know, remember I was watching Arrested Development, and I was like, sure, okay, sure. I can only watch two or three at a time. At a time. Instead yeah. of that, you're like, okay. Hard to do marathons with comedies. Yeah. I yeah. Totally. That. Totally. I did. As far as television goes, uh, I have been watching uh, Orange is the New Black. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I I read the memoir. I went ahead oh, and, and and read. Oh, that's great. 
and I'd watched a little bit of it, but I decided to read the memoir and start it over. Keep and, watching um, it. That's a phenomenal show. I told you oh, I, well, I, pre- I preferred it to... to House of uh, Cards? Yeah, House, House of Cards. cards. Yeah. Uh, I like them both, um, but really, you, got, you guys got to read the book. Um, the, the, it just goes into so much more detail about these characters. I bet. And it, oh, yeah. it's wonderful. Patrick yeah. Kerman is a... She's a good reader. I mean, it's kind of the... the Orange is the New Black is the new Me Talk Pretty one, one Day. Oh, really? Oh, I wow, that's so. that's something. Okay, well, I'll definitely pick that up then. Uh, I we'll think so. Do, it's close. Uh, we should do, maybe we'll do uh, an episode someday on Netflix Originals because, um, I mean, I started watching mm-hmm. Derek. I watched two two episodes of that, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't like it, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I, I, it made me very uncomfortable. Um, maybe it's trying to, but, you know, that's that Ricky Gervais vehicle. I don't right. know if you guys know it. It's, it's, I've heard of it. I don't know, man. It made me really uncomfortable, <laughs> which means I should probably keep watching it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that's with the sad trombone. <laughs> <Yeah. music here. laughs> and we did talk about the Netflix originals in episode two with Chuck Tryon, so if anyone's interested in our take on the uh, early originals, you can go check that out in episode two. But, yeah, we, we could do another one on those probably easily. pretty easily. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. With Nick's favorite, uh, Eli Roth's vehicle, uh, no, thank uh, you. That, that one. That's yeah, also what it was called. Um, but Come Chris, right. I think between Eric and I, we've lapped you like 27 times on the wire. So <laughs> maybe you ought to like consider watching that. Yeah, I'll get around to it. <laughs> yeah. I'll... I'll get around to it when I, you know, when I finished watching reruns of um, the Snifter of Rum. <laughs> when I finished Snifter of Rum, and I get done with reruns of Jackass and the real. Oh world. gosh, you're watching the wrong things, Chris. You're doing it wrong. You're watching it wrong. And the Anna Nicole show. Um, uh, then I'll have another Snifter of Rum, and then I'll get. I'll get to it. I'll 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 do it over the holidays. How's that? I'll make a I'll make a public oh, announcement. Right. I will watch the wire. No, I I wouldn't want you to watch it over the holidays all in one setting. Oh but, Jesus! But, but Come on. Uh, at least like a couple <laughs> seasons. All right, I'll watch it. You wouldn't want to watch all five watch seasons of the wire and over over the break. I think. Or maybe, no, no, uh, I, I won't mean, do it's that. Two weeks. I mean, I'd want to kind of luxuriate in it. I think I took a, a good month or so. But I watched like the first maybe season, season and a half, two seasons. Uh, over the holidays. Well, you want to borrow them from me anytime you want, man. I will um, do that. I have to get season two back from Fred, but. Um, okay. By the way, gentlemen, I just wanted to, to you know, it's on the it's on the website, but I wanted to say, uh, mucho thank you to uh, Rob St. Mary and Mike White of the Projection Booth who had me on uh, a couple weeks ago on uh, the Projection Booth, their brilliant podcast, and where I talked about the Spanish horror film, which is clearly, uh, you know, the subject of my book. And um, you know it was it was a, it was a tremendous, tremendously fun and exhilarating experience. I had a great time talking with those guys, and it turned out to be a really really fun podcast to do, and um, was apparently well received. So and uh, and at the end of the show, we have an announcement to bring up regarding the projection booths. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. All right, great. Um, anything else before we move on to segment one? No. I'm sure I'll think of something later. I think I need a drink. You guys are drinking. I'm not drinking. <laughs> Don't you know how this works? <laughs> yeah, all right. Well, sit tight. Uh, yeah. let's, let's fade up our, our theme music while I go get it. There you go. Remember how we started this podcast was over alcohol. Yeah, I mean, listeners should know that we're uh, filming. filming. <laughs> we're recording at uh, quarter to nine Eastern time uh, on, a, on a Tuesday night, so why wouldn't you have a beer in front of you, right? Absolutely. <laughs> 
Okay, so welcome to segment one of uh, That's a Wrap, episode number 14. We're going to talk about the MPAA rating system uh, with a focus on the movie This Film Is Not Yet Rated, which uh, is available on Netflix if you haven't seen it. Um, and if you if you haven't seen it, it doesn't matter. We'll we'll explain most of it. But the MPA rating system is is in my mind a, a, a huge force to be reckoned with in in film history and in in watching film. And it's one of the most le- is one of the least understood uh, aspects I think of of film distribution and yeah. exhibition. And uh, it has a profound impact on the types of movies that Hollywood puts out. And so I thought we should talk about it. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do. So um, we've all seen the film, right? Yes. Um, yes, sir. And, you know, I'll, I'll just start with my impressions of it. Uh, this this is a film that I show to my uh, undergraduates every semester uh, because I think they should know about it, right? And, you know, in the film, as you know, Kirby Dick, the director, uh, decides to find out what the rating system is all about because a lot of people, what a lot of people don't know is that it's it's a secretive thing. Like, nobody really knows how ratings work, uh, how how films get rated, what what's what gets an R, what gets an NC-17, what gets a PG, etc. Um, so he hires these um, private investigators to try to figure out who's rating the films, and, and he interviews a lot of directors and stuff. It's 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 a fantastic movie, mm-hmm. but what comes out is that basically you have a dozen people who are supposedly selected because of their parents, um, and some are and some aren't, and some don't even have young children um, in order but these dozen people decide basically what we see and what we don't see in almost all of Hollywood and it's it's chilling and it's uh, chilling, yeah. it's, it's well, a chilling documentary rating. which is ev- well when we should get into that too because which is everything in Hollywood basically right, right. Well, that's the problem that's why I keep saying Hollywood what's that go say that again Anything that's going to play in a mainstream cinema yeah, is, right, exactly. you know, is, 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 has to is, pass through them. And has yeah, to pass yeah. through that. And, and, yeah. and, and that is, of course, the kiss of death. Should they get the NC-17, yeah. it's all over. Right, right. And so we can talk about the movie if you want, or we can talk about things that the movie doesn't talk about if you want as well, guys. Um, because I, I find that when I show it to, to students, uh, a lot, most of them are appalled. It's a really fun film to watch, yeah. but it's chilling when you think about it. But... Um, a lot of them are appalled. Some of them are, some of them are happy about it. Strangely, like they think it's a great system for some reason. But most of them are like, "This is crazy, right?" And um, but there's a lot of stuff that the that the film doesn't, maybe doesn't explain as well as it might. Um, like for example, the fact that it's a it's a voluntary system, right? Right. You know, it's voluntary, but it's not voluntary. Right. If you want to get shown in theaters, you have to go through the rating system. Right. They're like, sure. Yeah. If you, yeah, you know, if, if you don't want to, uh, if, of course, it's your right to not submit it to us. But everybody knows that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they're, 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 then good luck finding distribution. I mean, the studios are in cahoots with the MPAA. I right. think we should also mention right. the fact that the 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 film itself, this film is yet not yet rated, got an NC-17 rating. Of uh, you know, by by the MPAA. Yeah, yeah. But he submitted it on a lark, though. 
Right. Sure. Right. I love that part of the movie though, because after they go through this whole investigation and film all this stuff of stalking basically these people who write the films, he then goes and submits that very film to that board for Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know, they're at a restaurant. So of course he got it as he's seventeen, right? <laughs> Just to back up for a second until to what your student said about its its usefulness. It kind of cracks me up. I mean, that's what that's Matt Stone's joke in the film. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah it's it's useful compared to nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> compared, yes, it's nice to have uh, censorship com- as opposed to nothing. I mean, yeah. yeah, he's like those. It's like how 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 skewed can those those polls be if they say, do you find it you know potentially useful? And some people yeah. are like, yeah, that, sure, as a ratings guide, it's useful. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's the only it's yeah, only guide in town. You know, it's yeah. like. Yeah, he, his example was like the white sock and the whiter sock on the commercial. <laughs> yeah. He's like, there's no other sock. <laughs> so compared to what? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Because, you know, it's meant to be a, a guide to parents, right? Uh, yeah. it's, it's supposed to let parents know whether they should uh, let their okay. children see the, you know, who are 13 or 18 or whatever, see this film. And it doesn't, it's broken, right? Broken. I mean, do you guys agree that it's a completely broken system? Well, it's yeah. a broken system because, yeah, especially because of the fact that it's changed so much and that things, you know, you get things that have been re-rated over the years um, that there's no, there doesn't seem to be any criteria and the fact that uh, sex and violence are so skewed, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think there's ever been a film rated NC-17 for violence mm-hmm. uh, right. alone. I mean, um, I was mentioning this to my students today, and one of my students brought up the fact that Street Fighter was uh, rated X. Um, but as far as the criteria for NC-17, that you know, you haven't had a, a film rated NC-17 purely on its uh, level of violence. Um so it, it's a, it's a very broken system, and the fact that you don't know who's rating it, you don't know what their mm-hmm. agenda is, you don't know what their background is. Yeah, that's the worst part, Chris, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. In a, in yeah. a republic, a democracy, when everything should be above board. Sure. Uh, and they go, they 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 point out the fact that we're the only country with some sort of you know ratings board that doesn't have its members you know, publicly known. Uh, that's yeah. ridiculous. That's I mean, why 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 are there why are we keeping secrets about this? This is so I mean that that right there in itself raises many many red flags and issues, uh, you know, with regard to um, the the efficacy of the program. If you if you want to shelter the, your your people and not not make anything public knowledge, uh, then then you're 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 inviting scrutiny and debate over your your apparatus of censorship basically because that's what it is you submit your film there to basically have them censor it and then tell and tell you what you need to cut out now if that's not censorship i don't know what is yeah it, it definitely is and the um the other aspect of it is i mean it's censorship in a sense but i mean going back to that voluntary thing voluntary yeah, exactly right you know so they get out of that whole democracy thing and, and, and all that right um which is which, is BS, of course, but um, you know, another thing is, I think Chris uh, kind of alluded to a little bit is that um, sex is heavily censored and violence mm-hmm. is not, and that's, in my view, a problem. 
Yeah, a right. much bigger problem. You know, Thirteen-year-old. They're saying that thirteen-year-olds can see people shooting and killing each other, but they can't see two humans having having sex. You know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and personally, as as a parent, um, I, you know, frankly, would rather have my kids see boobs than have than him see them hacked off. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Good I, point. Serious, yeah. No it, question it's, about that. It's, it's the it's the God's honest um, truth. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, we've we've got all. I mean, boy, I mean that that's just Pandora's box of all sort of residual Puritan ideology. That's sure. Just, you yeah. Know, that's yeah. That's 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 Pandora's box uh, in in a, in a podcast here. I mean, we can we can go deep deeply into the the preoccupation with violence and our our uh, the, the moral sense of outrage at sex in this country because yeah. it's just never ending. But yeah. Chris Chris was kind enough to email both Eric and I a link. Talk about fortuitous timing. To a here and now on NPR today that discussed this very concept. It was a short piece, what about 12, 12 minutes or so? Yeah, minutes. Very short, yeah. And it, the beauty of it was, it, it, it. Uh, I, I had a few problems with some of the things that were said, but I was ultimately agreed with everything. What, what, what this episode was about today was simply just the fact that there's a, uh, a Congress had commissioned this um, company to do some. Some uh, uh, research regarding, you know, how much how much gun violence has increased since the early 1980s, uh, early to mid 1980s with the PG-13 rating, and they found that it increased three times. That the amount of gunplay, gun violence in PG-13 films had increased three times. Uh, they they cited uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Dune as the first film they were looking at really here and and looking at it, and then they measured going forward. Um, and, and while sex, you know, is, is basically hasn't really changed all that much. In fact, uh, he doesn't say this, but I would say you'd find more sexually, sexually sort of provocative, uh, film in the 1970s than you do today. I, you know, I mean, all you have to do is look at, well, in, 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 um, isn't it great in the, in, in this film is not yet rated. They spend all that time talking about coming home and Jane Fonda's orgasm, you know, yeah. that's just one simple example of how sex in the seventies was even, even more so, but today it's more heavily censored. While gunplay and violence mm-hmm. is three times as likely in a, in mm-hmm. a PG 13 film. So the rating hasn't changed, but the amount of violence has gone up by three times with, with regard to guns. And that's absurd. Now I'm not a big fan of, of, um, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of media effects theory. When people start talking about like you know violence in films causes violence in society, I I, I think that that's a very spurious argument. And uh, but I totally agree with the fact that then these films need to be more harshly rated. Yeah, I mean, sorry, I agree with you that it's it's a very uh, kind of slippery argument, and and I don't. I, I I'm with you on that. But then you do have to wonder though, in a in a society where the the you know, most dominant form of media that we have privileges violence and and, and demonizes sex. You wonder. I mean, we are a, a extremely violent society it's a, it's in a, a lot factor, of ways, right? You know, you know? Yeah, so I'll, I'll always you know? readily admit that it's a factor yeah. that needs to be yeah. tempered. Yeah. But those out there who sort of like love to get on their soapbox and talk about how the video games and the movies are ca- yeah. causing, using the word cause, yeah. you know, violence. Yeah. Um, that's that's a that's a, a fault of society. Of, 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 of you know, the arts are merely participating in a larger discourse. I mean, they're yeah. the, if to to reverse engineer it and say there's violence in the media because there's <laughs> the violence in society is because the violence in the media is absurd. 
Well, yeah, because those are the same people who are also going to say, well, pornography causes people to rape, it causes people to take casual attitude towards, right. to, towards yeah. sex. I, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a slippery slope there, argument. There are correlative, correlative arguments to be made. That's where the research obviously comes in very handy. Right. Sure. Yeah. The other thing yeah. I think that's important to remember, with the, especially with the NC-17, uh, we could talk a little bit more about this, but is just how closely tied economics is to the rating system. Mm. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, you have you have directors who will do their very best when they're, especially of, of like a genre like the horror film where the demographic is 15 to, to 27. Does that sound right about, about right, Nick? Um, men and women 15 to 27. If you're trying to get that demographic that is just under the R rating of 17, so 15 to 17, you're going to cut out as much as possible um, just to get the very, you know, the, the very minimum of a very hard PG-13 over mm-hmm. a very mild R because it's going to make you more money. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, to, to kind of buttress along that, the, the idea amongst directors in the, in, the cinema, in, in, the, in the community who are seen as selling out because they're willing to cut something out of, out of their NC-17 film to make it an R film because of the fact that it'll then be distributed... Um, to a greater number of theaters as opposed to mm-hmm. only to art house, exactly. so, you know, art, art houses. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's that's the other aspect is that in NC-17, that's one thing that people don't get, is like NC-17 is sure death for your movie. If, if you're trying to make a you, lot of money. If you want wide release. Yeah, if right. you want wide, wide and, release. Right. And this is, you know, in part because the National Association of Theater Owners buys into this into the system. I don't, know if, I don't know if you guys remember in the end of the movie where they have the appeals process. The people on the appeals board, a lot of them were, were major theater chain owners. Um, and a lot of them were, were members of that North uh, NATO, right? North American Theater Organization, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And um, so it's it's the theater associations that are trying to get people in the doors that are endorsing this thing. And and I remember like a lot of times when I when I teach this film, I ask, what would be what's the solution, right? And one of the um, solutions is. I think we lost Nick. Nick, are you there? I'm back. Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. We can hear you now. Yeah. Yep. Firefox quit on me. I had to reboot. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. No, it's all right. Um. So. Fucking Firefox. Yep. So the um. What was I saying? So the North American Treat uh theater organization theater. is in cahoots. So. They're the ones that are that are pushing this, and I and I ask my students when we watch this film, like, what's the solution? You know, is the solution to go back to like the production code, which I want to talk about later, um, or is the solution a more overt censorship? Is the solution a free for all? And what I think the solution, the the only the only way out of this, I think, is if a major studio decides to opt out, and. I, I remember saying this to a class about a year ago or two, and um, that movie Bully got mm-hmm. the R rating, and mm-hmm. there was a big hullabaloo about That's that, right. where Bully is, is is a documentary about bullying in, in high schools and middle schools, mm-hmm. and it's, it's aimed at teenagers, and it got an R rating, and a lot of celebrities came out against the R rating. They wanted a PG-13 and, and all this other stuff. And uh, the Weinstein uh, brothers, Harry Weinstein in particular, threatened to not send any of his movies 
through the ratings board. He mm -hmm. says, I will, I will boycott the ratings board if you don't give this a PG-13, if you don't reverse this, this um, rating. And I was like, yes, that's exactly what needs to happen. You know, and, and the, you know, the Weinstein Theater, they're, they're, they're responsible for, uh, that production company is responsible for all kinds of Oscar mm -hmm. films, all kinds of very popular films. Prestige, art, absolutely. Yep. Oscar. And you know, what the, you, know what, you know what the theater organization said? They said, well, we'll treat your films like we do any that hasn't gone through. We won't show them. And that was it. They, they well, said, okay, well, we won't show any of your films. So they, they didn't back down at all. So there's, there's a, you know, talking about the, the economic aspect of it, you know, they want to get people in the doors, and they think that, and they're probably right, that parents for some reason trust the system. And I think the reason parents yeah. trust the system is because they don't know what, exactly. it, what it really means. I, you know, well, they're only different. I mean, that's all that they go yeah. by. Like, you know, my kid, my kid wants to go see a movie, so they look in, you know, well, yeah. Back in the day, it was looking the paper, but now you, you you look online, you see what is it, what's the rating, and then what is it rated for? Because now they yeah. of course say, well, for strong violence, for this, for this, for this. You know, it's just they 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 place a certain amount of trust in the MPAA, uh, what 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 they what they have to say, even if that trust might be misguided or downright wrong. I, I think for me the problem is, I mean, it's 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 not unlike, you know, I mean, I studied a lot of, about on censorship for my book, obviously, because it was a, mm -hmm. a, a, you know, there was a board of censorship that the films had to pass through yeah. in Spain. That particular uh, board was made up of priests, you know, Catholic priests and um, and generally civil servants in Spain, so government servants, but. You know the the problem with me is is one of staffing here. I mean, if I was in Eric's class and he asked the question, <laughs> yeah. like staffing. what's what's the what's the answer? The answer is get this thing above ground. It's not don't make it some goddamn you know a Freemason society with secret handshakes yeah. and all that bullshit. And get representative <laughs> people in there, not some sort of electoral college that's all fucked up. Uh, get get basically look at the you know survey the demographic of the United States and get representatives in there from from different. Uh, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, different racial backgrounds, obviously different gender, uh, sexual orientation, the whole nine yards, and particularly age mm -hmm. groups as well. Get them yeah. all in there, and then that would be that would serve rather than just yeah. the jokers that have on there. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, the other thing I do is uh, I have people read the uh, production code. Uh, there's a there's text of the original production code or an early production to, code, yeah. uh, and I'll put a, I'll put a link in the show notes at that's a rap show com so uh, people can look at those. Um, but um, and you know, you look at the the production code, and it, and the value system is really obvious, right? It's like a Judeo Christian kind of very conservative mm -hmm. sort of sort of thing, and you know exactly what's allowed and what's not allowed, right? Yeah. Um, right. But the problem with that is that what's not allowed is sex or uh, crimes that go unpunished or miscegenation. Mm -hmm. You know, my students are always shocked at that one. You know, and I'm like, well, it's it's a sign of the times, I guess. But at least they knew. At least people knew, right? Now, I don't want to go back to that. Mm. And, and one of the questions I ask is, like, just think in the '40s and the '50s, if it weren't for the production code, what kind of movies might have existed what yeah. might people have done in the 40s and 50s in the heyday of of the you know, kind of the the invention not the invention of cinema but you know the it was you know people were golden really age. refining the golden age in a lot of ways on the other hand a lot of the the films the classics that we have 
wouldn't have existed either. True. Without the production Correct. code, you know, we Correct. talked about this in the film noir episode of uh, episode four. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick and I talked about this with um, with David Hogan about the production code and how, in some ways, production code uh, made possible film noir or made oh, not even possible. Yeah, it made it made, made it all that sort of codification yeah. and, uh, yeah. and yeah. was ultimately responsible for the for the the shape and the form the films took. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not endorsing that, and I don't want to go back to that. No, no, no. But what we have now is worse. It's worse because it's invisible and it's insidious. That's the problem. I mean, because you had had the exploitation and independence keeping the majors in check the whole time. That's the the secret history of American cinema is the birth of the exploitation film and then post-1948 Paramount decision you have the actual legitimization of the independent sector so that, that can compete favorably and take bites out of the major and, and, and address issues that the studios could not and would not because of the production code. Right. So that kept it in check and ultimately is what led to the financial ruin, not that and just mismanagement and greed uh-huh. and, and losing yeah. touch with what's going on in culture. But basically, you know, the 60s, I mean, the rise of, I mean, AIP, for example, American International Pictures, Roger Corman, you know, uh, the Arkoff Nicholson uh, production company, production distribution company that hired and gave Roger Corman his break, basically. I mean, they they were there all the way through taking big old chunks out of the studios and making films that teenagers were flocking to go see, you know, the the, the biker flicks and the the beach party mm-hmm. flicks and the, the 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 you know, girl in prison flicks and the 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 exploitation of the sci-fi and horror, the, night and the I mean basically all that. I mean, that yeah. that 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 kept it in check somewhat. I mean, they didn't have to pass through any any board uh, because they were block booking was 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 a thing of the past, right? So they, you know, and of course the hucksterism, the Forty Thieves, the David Freemans, the Herschel Gordon Lewises could go from town to town and and you know sell their wares and again did not have to pass through the production code, Joe Breen's office or Will Hayes' office. So right. now with that, with that, you know basically with with everything that was once marginalized is now mainstream. Like Eric said, it's it's an insidious problem that no one will really do anything about because it's just the status quo and it's the way it is. Right? It's very business as usual mm-hmm. uh, in, in in Hollywood, and I, I I think you're right, um, Eric. I, I I think until a studio, one studio, kind of says enough is enough, you're 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 gonna have you're, we're just gonna keep keep having this over over and over and over again, and and hey, the radio. The rating system might might liberalize a bit, like it like it has with the the PG thirteen rating, but um, it's it's still going to be uh, it's yeah. still going to be it seems well, liberalized like, with violence. Yeah, not, exactly. And, that's know. exactly right, Nick. Um, but and why change it if it's profitable, mm-hmm. right? right? And that's right. and that's the bottom line. But I think what's going to change it is is or what probably already is changing it is. Um, I mean, we're in the internet age now, right? This this system started in nineteen sixty eight. We're way beyond that. You know, we can, um, we can. F- there are there are rating systems independent of this that exist that we that people can use if they want to sure. be informed. You know, um, you know, I was uh, trying to figure out the other day if uh, the Fantastic Mr. Fox was um, was um, 
you know, okay for a nine-year-old. So I just Googled it, and I found this, like, Common Sense Media website. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know who runs that or what their what their deal is, but, you know, they tell you exactly what's in it, and then you can decide as a parent yourself. You can decide, okay, that's cool or that's not cool, you know, because maybe I don't mind my kids seeing sex, but I want, but I don't want them to see violence, you know, maybe, or whatever. Everyone's different, right? And we, we, we live in a, you know, kind of a very varied society. So I think the Internet will change that in a way, but more than just the alternate rating systems, things like Netflix. We were talking about Netflix sure. during pickups. Um, House of Cards would uh, didn't have to go through a rating system and would um, most certainly be rated R, if not NC-17, probably mm-hmm. just R. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but, you know, there are they, they can bypass all of that because they're distributing the films themselves. Netflix I'm right. talking about. Um, and there are a lot of independents now where if you don't care about wide theatrical release, it's easy to distribute. I don't know about easy, but you, you one can distribute right. a film quite easily by bypassing the theater system and still get a pretty good um, pretty good turnout. We're going to talk about the canyons in a few weeks, um, yeah. and that will be a good uh, example of that. In fact, when we talk about that, we'll probably refer back to this episode. That's because Paul that, Schrader's that's, Kickstarter, man. That was, yeah, uh, I yeah. loved that. I loved it. Yeah, because things are changing, you know, so we'll talk about that definitely, right? And, and so – it's going to have to change, but you know, one of the one of the best comparisons or contrasts, I think, with the MPA system is the video game system, the the way the video games right. are rated. Uh, the ESRB. Yeah, the ESRBs. You know, that's a voluntary system as well, but they list everything and why it's rated that way, and it's also voluntary. But most, I think, most major stores like GameStop and Best Buy, I think they adhere to it mostly, right? But that seems like a really satisfactory way to rate things, I think. And, and a what's what's the the highest rating on the ESRB is not M, but... Um, AO, adults only. Adults only, and there are very few of those. Very, right? very few, and yeah. actually many, uh, like, like Best Buy, I don't know if Best Buy will even carry it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get a lot of that stuff from Amazon, mm-hmm. but it's... Yeah. You know, and it's it's even an, even an AO. It's pretty hard to get. Yeah, uh, I remember when they re-released Leisure Suit Larry, which is oh, you know, I love Leisure Suit so Larry. Much fun. <laughs> oh, it's so much and, uh, fun. Five and a quarter inch disc, man. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. 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 Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards that was rated M. <laughs> you know, okay. looking for love in all the wrong places. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, that was rated M, and you have yeah. you have animated nudity, animated sex, yeah. things like that. But well, those were back yeah. in the days when parents didn't realize that that was going on in the uh, video games. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, yeah, the good John, old days. As John I like Waters them. brings up that great point when he's yeah. like, when I submitted, what do you, th- you know, yeah. I've submitted. What do you think they're doing upstairs? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he's talking about the, 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 the live, you know, um, Tracy Allman. Yeah. Uh, you know, comedy that he had submitted, and he thought that he was going to be okay for once, you know, and it yeah. came back, and they're like, yeah, we got some problems, and they're like, okay, what? And he's like, well, we don't know where to begin. Overall and, tone. Overall tone. <laughs> my blood like, you know, turned to ice water. Like, my God, <laughs> yeah, my blood. And it's, like, it's so funny. He's like, what the hell do you think? There's nothing out there, you know, that your these kids haven't seen on the internet. I yeah. mean, people are right, just have right. a, a psychosexual curiosity yeah. that starts, you know, I mean, whether you're talking about Freud or Lacan or it doesn't really <laughs> matter, very, very early, okay? Yeah. <laughs> 
And, you know, now that just, I mean, I, going back to what Eric said, you know, if I was a parent, I would just be a common sense parent, common sense parent. I would not be exposing my kids to stuff that was really intense and give them nightmares at an early age. And I wouldn't shield them either as they matured and got older. Mm -hmm. I, I have, I know a friend of mine has friends and their kids are like eight or nine and won't show them the Brady Bunch three parter that has Vincent Price in it, you know, when they go to Hawaii because it's mm. too scary. I'm like, Ooh. it's the oh, fucking God. Brady Bunch. It's Sherwood yeah. Schwartz, man. This oh, is like, God. you can't get much more treacly sweet. Yeah. I mean, at eight years old, I'd already watched The Exorcist, Last House on the Left. I'd seen Amityville Horror in the theater. I mean, you know, like, I, yeah, I'm not saying yeah. that, that you should do that. I'm saying yeah, yeah. that there is... There's just the common sense middle ground here. I'm not going to sit my four-year-old down and say, hey, watch The Shining with me. Yeah. But I'm also not, yeah. when, he, when he's eight, going to be like, shelter him. And yeah. to paraphrase Alan Moore, in uh, Alan Moore says, look, if there's rough edges out there in society, we're not doing our kids any favors by hiding them from them. Then the only way he knows that he can ensure their, how does he put it, their um, psychological and sociological welfare is to inform them, to talk to them, to let them know about the right. world that they live in, at a, right. you know, exactly. as they become age appropriate. Because he yeah. says to feed them this bullshit that it's some sort of care bear pastoral world out there. Wow, they are going to be so sorely disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> right, and I, I mean, yeah. I, I have a, I have a three-year-old, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Nick. Um, in, in that, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't watch the 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 Shining of the Exorcist right. with me, but you know, but I mean, he's he, at the same time he's gone into the Haunted Mansion at Disney World. He thought right. it was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. He watched sense. the Nightmare Before yeah. Christmas. He thought the Nightmare Before Christmas was fantastic. And when he gets older, you know, who knows? But I'm not gonna. I, I refuse to shelter him. Sure. Um, but the, and that's exactly the point, though, isn't it? It should be up to the individual, individual parent yeah. to decide right. what the, what the kid right. can see. So, you know, something like uh, Bertolucci's The Dreamers, which is a perfectly fine art house film and very, you know, talking about the 68 riots and, you know, in Paris and all this yeah. stuff, you know, just because a couple of pe young people have sex is rated NC 17 in the United States. Like, who are they to tell Chris or Nick or me or anybody that our kids can't go to the theater to see that? Right. You know, and the, and the idea is they're supposed to be protecting parents or, or informing parents, but what they're really doing is taking the power away from parents. Exactly. These 12 people are being the parents. And that's and that's a that's Coded a messed, censorship. It's yeah. a messed up system, you know, and it's and and the thing is, it is censorship. And you know, I like 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 uh, you were talking, Nick, about uh, Spain, and and I like uh, watching films uh, like Iranian films, for example, because mm -hmm. they have a pretty heavy uh, censorship regime, especially in the eighties and nineties. Uh, certainly today as well, but. Um, it's fun to watch how they get around the censorship and how right. they get they say things political without really saying it. You know, they use children a lot Precisely, and stuff like yeah. that. It's very interesting to watch how people get around censorship. The but Iranian really not... versions of the man with the golden arm. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, but I'd rather not have the censorship at all. Right. <laughs> right? You know, you can self-censor. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of messed up. Um, 
So, you know, I'm hoping it changes, but I know it won't. But I think that with, with uh, Internet distribution and, and other distribution channels like Netflix, maybe Redbox might come online on that, mm-hmm. uh, Amazon as well, You might we might begin to see people just bypassing that altogether. Um, I mean, HBO certainly does. Um, sure. HBO is not movies. I mean, HBO does TV shows, right? Like we were talking about The Wire during pickups. You know, so so there are ways, but when it comes to theatrical releases, I think that it's the theater owners that that want parents to feel okay sending their kids, um, and I think that's that. But because of the way the the movies are rated, it's it's very kind of homophobic. Uh, it's it's violent. It's it's more violent than se- violence than sex, right? Um, it's Puritan, as Nick was saying, and that's. I mean, is that is that really a way to to ensure the quality of movies? No, absolutely not. But you know, it doesn't really tell us anything. It's it's, it's a core that. system. You know, like Kimberly yeah. Pierce talks about in the beginning. They open up the the film with her relaying her her you know her trials with uh, the MPAA on Boys Don't Cry. Right. It's like, wait a minute. So I, I can have, you know, the Hillary Swank character, Brandon, I can shoot him in the, in the fucking head. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. But the scene where the, you know, we're, we're lingering a little too long on, on uh, Chloe uh, Sevigny's face, is, is that's, that's not okay. And yeah. And that, that female pleasure is a about problem. It's about female pleasure, yeah. But, cool. you know, putting a bullet through this girl's head, that's cool. Yeah. And, Well, yeah, if you want to look at that, again, kind of running with the homophobic thing, look at, and to make this very timely, um, you know, blue is the warmest color, which was acclaimed at Cannes and is in limited release, but it's with NC-17 because it has explicit um, scenes of lesbian sex. It's like, oh, we can't, we can't show, we can't, we can't show females pleasuring each other and, you know, enjoying one of the one of the things that makes life so worth living, which is which is sex, but we can show. <laughs> but that's true. It, I mean, let's. I mean, are, uh, is anyone going to disagree with me? Really? Well, but yeah. Instead, we can show in films like The Passion of the Christ, we can show a man get absolutely brutally ripped mm-hmm. to ribbons. Yeah. You know, uh, and and have it be and have it be rated R. Yeah. Oh, it's that's, okay. That's another thing I tell my students. I say, you know, I I say I I hope that none of you have or will kill anybody or shoot anybody in your life. And I hope that each and every one of you will has or will have sex at some point because sex is a very natural human endeavor. It's, if it weren't for sex, we wouldn't be here. None of us is not. You look at those movies in the 40s, like they weren't so clean because people didn't have sex. If people didn't have sex in the 40s, we wouldn't be here. You know, right. it's, it's, right. it's a different thing, you know. But it's, yeah, it's a very odd thing. But no, I agree with you. And I kind of, Interestingly, as well, uh, this movie, this film is not yet rated. It is a Netflix production, right? Netflix was that's right. It was the a producer, uh, with, with so, stars or something like that, or I forget, but it was a, yeah, a co-production. Yeah, it's a, it's a co-production of Netflix, um, and it's it's available. It's always available on Netflix. I, right. I suspect that's one of those things that will always we'll be available always on Netflix, on there, yeah. and that's probably what allowed them because they they knew when they were making the film they weren't going to get an R or a PG, you know, obviously, because in order to show what gets rated NC-17, they have to show things that got rated NC-17. Right. So right. 
going to get it. So who's going to who's going to put money into that? Well, Netflix did, and it's and it, which is a brilliant move because yeah. it's there. And and you know, I wonder. I, I can't speak for Netflix, obviously, but I, mean, I wonder if there's a there's an agenda there, maybe Clearly, as well. That's it's, the future, it's, buddy. I mean, look yeah. at Amazon now, really pumping it up with this new. They're they're trying to compete with House of Cards. They've got this new John yep. Goodman comedy coming yep. out. What's it called? Uh, uh, yeah, um, political. It's about yeah, you know, it's, sort of uh, yeah. inept senators and stuff like yeah. that. You know. Did you guys watch the pilots? Those pilots. I didn't know they were producing that, Nick. But oh. do you remember in episode two we talked to Chuck Tryon? Uh, I had watched every pilot. No, um, I didn't watch a single the, one. I didn't watch a single one either. I'll put a link in the show notes. I I watched every single pilot. Um, of the adult pilots that Amazon put out, and that John Goodman one was one of them, and I reviewed each and every one of them. I'll oh, put a link. really? Well, yeah, I'll put a uh, yeah, I'll put a link to. It. I did it at the Odeon review, and I'll, I'll put a link like to the show uh, notes. Refined watched, it or something because they're yeah, they're going, they're going forward with it. Well, what their deal was is they were they did a bunch of pilots and they let people vote on them. The users vote and they could track who watched them and how long they watched for, and it was a big thing. There were some really good pilots. Some of them were really good. The John Goodman one that you're talking about was mm-hmm. one of, in my opinion, one of the middle ones. Okay. It wasn't as good as some of the others. But the idea was that they would produce, they didn't even say how many, one, two, five, I don't know, of a dozen that they did. They were like a dozen pilots. I watched them all in the morning and an afternoon. Mm-hmm. Again, another reason I don't have a book under contract right now, right? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, um, and, uh, and, and, yeah, Amazon's definitely trying to compete, but it's pretty tame. You know, by comparison to the House of Cards, you know, it's more a comedy. Right. But you're right. They're actually they're trying to get into it, and they don't have to go through they're any ratings right board up. whatsoever. It's a wonderful and so, thing. Yeah, and if Netflix or Amazon or, or anybody starts making movies instead of just TV shows, they could they could do whatever they want because they don't have to go to the ratings board because the ratings board is really about theatrical release. For the most part, right? Sure. And, and maybe right. okay. And also DVD sales at like Best Buy or definitely Walmart. You can't sell NC17 at Walmart, right? Um, so there are some other economic things. But if you're all streaming, who cares, right? Yeah. They can right. just ignore the board. And that's where I think the board's going to go. Is is it's Blockbuster just start to get video where the the real culprits and they're yeah. banishing oh, NC17. Yes. Absolutely. You know. But look Absolutely. what happens to block. Look at what has happened to Blockbuster and Hollywood Video. Blockbuster is essentially out of business. Um, they're no, not, not essentially. They are. They are. They, they are. just right. closed their last stores last week. They just closed their last store. Last week. Next year, they're eliminating their online service that was a competitor to Netflix. Oh, they still Holly- have <laughs> Yeah, they do. They're, conti- they're discontinuing it next year. Uh, Hollywood video is essentially gone. Mm-hmm. Um so these kind of these old Republican style words, if you will, have, have kind of gone by the wayside, which really, and Eric, you brought up a very good point. This begs the question, are we, and uh, this is a question for a completely different episode, and we could, I, I would even challenge people to uh, comment on this and engage in, in kind of a debate on, our, on the website, but are we starting to see possibly a, a, a shift away from theaters? Um, no, I don't think more. so, and that's partly the topic of our round yeah. round table that's coming. Well, yeah, the, and we can, you know, we could kind of we'll hold sales that. Sales are up, yeah. buddy. Sales are up. You know, sales are are up, but also look at the fact that that uh, how much a ticket price is versus yeah. the what you can get for Netflix, Amazon Prime. You might want to save this for next week because I don't think I think that sitting and watching a 
something, whether it's a movie or a television series in your bedroom or your living room, is an entirely different. That's the whole purpose of our last yeah. podcast, sure. Gravity. So sure. I think we should, yeah, we'll save that for we'll, next we'll week. We'll save yeah. it, but I just figured I'd throw it out there. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I I, I, we can save it, but I want to respond just for one thing. I think theatrical release is not going away, but a lot of directors, I think, are, or a lot of studios are doing unrated versions mm-hmm. for right, DVD. Right. So you'll get the yes. theatrical release and then the unrated on DVD, and I think that's happening more and more. And that that gives a little wiggle room where you can shoot the movie you want. Yeah, Team America is a great example. Yeah. I mean, that's Team America's an a good example. example. Um, it's a great one, you know, because yeah, I mean they put unrated on all these DVD yeah. co- Blu-ray covers, yeah. you know, super but, bad. The, the, then, a lot of them. A lot that, of times yeah. you look at the running time differences, the TRTs, and you find that it's like a minute or something. This is because it was just a few yeah. shots that the. Yep. The MPAA yep. wanted, but in the case Even, of Team America, it was more. It was a lot longer than that because yeah. they, you know, and I love how they said they went. They put in all this stuff. They're trying to pad it, and with all this stuff that they knew mm-hmm. for sure would never make it through, that they put so much in there that they would get more out of their the bargain than they had hoped for. Yeah, they put more in because they gave them something to cut. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. But even Anchorman has an unrated version, so that might be a loophole a little bit in that, but it's still, yeah, it's, it's the, theatrical release is going to be the same one. I don't think it's one. going in. I think, yeah. I, yeah, but we can say the, the, the broader discussion um, yeah, for our round, for sure. round table, which we'll, we'll, which we'll explain later. But, um, yeah, we hey, just jump into that. On a quick um, kind of side note before we move into segment two, um, I don't know, are you guys familiar with Kirby Dick's other work at all? No. Okay, so oh, I I didn't realize that when this film is not yet rated came out, I had already seen two of his films, and I so didn't that's even why I know. Said maybe, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. I didn't realize that I had uh, seen two of his films, and and one of them uh, was one of his first films. Uh, I remember when I was in graduate school, there was this um, very attractive young woman named Lori who was in one of my classes, and um, I would always kind of uh, you know. Like we would, my my car was always parked near where where she stayed, and we would walk together and talk, and you know all this stuff. And one day I remember, she was, uh, she says, "Hey, I'm gonna go see this film." She was Canadian, and uh, she was like, "I'm gonna go see this film in Windsor um, called Sick: The Life and Death of Bob Flanagan, Supermasochist." No. Would you like to come see it? And I was like, uh, sure. I mean, I would have said yes to anything at that point. You know, I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm thinking maybe this is like, you know, I didn't think it was a date, but I figured, you know, maybe, you know, I, I'm going to show up, right? So I, sure. you know, I get off work. I, you know, I, I, I go across the border. We live in Detroit, listeners. We Windsor is just across a bridge. Um, we have an international border here. I crossed the international border. I'm going to go see this weird movie about a mess, super masochist. So anyway, um, Turns out she's there with a dude. It's like her boyfriend or something. It was a total disaster on that level. But the good news was I saw a great film, and it's this film about this guy who has uh, cystic fibrosis. Um, that's the one with the phlegm, right? Where like where the um, like most people with cystic fibrosis die when they're teenagers or early twenties, right? Uh, and well, is that the one, or am I thinking of something? Well, different? yeah, I, it used to be that way. It's a respiratory immunodeficiency digestive okay. disease. Okay. Well, but this there guy are, there are advances for it, so. Okay, well, this guy had it. This is in the night. This is '97. The film was released, so oh, the guy okay. had it. So the guy was uh, he, he had it in the '60s or '70s. 
he ends up becoming a masochist, and he does these art shows where he like hangs himself by his nipples. You know, he has nipple piercings, and he hangs himself, and, and he has this mistress who beats him. It's just this like he's a total. Ma- it's this really strange film. Obviously, NC seventeen, right? Mm-hmm. And he ends up living into his, I think, into his late thirties or maybe even forties, which at the time is a pretty big deal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and it's a very strange yeah. film, and I didn't realize that was Kirby Dick. Kirby Dick directed that. And then uh, another one that you guys might have seen that you don't realize was him was the Derrida documentary in 2002. Yeah, I know that one. I've watched bits on like. I know YouTube. that one too. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty good documentary on Derrida, the 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 French um, theorist, the you know the uh, inventor of deconstruction. Uh, Kirby Dick also directed that, so he's been around. I love this guy. Work, yeah. yeah, really. And he has a movie that I haven't seen yet that came after this film is not yet rated that I really want to see, and uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's um here I'm looking up right now. It's called Outrage, Outrage. Uh, 2009, and it's just it's about um closeted uh congressmen or legislators. Oh, that sounds good. That vote. Anti-gay. Yeah, so they fight all these anti-gay things, but they're they themselves are closeted. Well, let's yeah, we'll have to link to his uh, IMDb page. So yeah, yeah, we'll definitely look there. So I'm interested in seeing that. So um, interesting body of work for this guy, but you know he's he puts himself in the documentary, and this film is not yet rated a lot. And I I think it's a good thing because he's a very personable guy, and you know he seems really interested in these things. I kind of wonder if this interest in the rating system stems from those other earlier movies, especially Sick, right? (laughs) I have to say though, uh, just my closing comment on the film would be kind of a, a, a kind of a macro comment about the film itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that would be that um, as a documentary, you know, and 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 as as uh, you know, as a teacher who's taught classes on documentary and nonfiction yeah. film, I have to sort of um, apply that that level of of uh, analysis or scrutiny to it, and 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 I don't want to get sidetracked, but um, did want to sort of like uh, just briefly bring up my impressions about like. How he kind of takes almost the private detective film, you know, not a film noir, but sort of like the police procedural, and then almost sort of contradicts or subverts the standard conventions and tropes of that by having, you know, um, two women be the the you know the lead investigators here, and and in particular, uh, yeah. the 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 lead investigator uh, is a lesbian too. Uh, which is discussed in the film, and yeah. you know we get into the background of the of of, of her and uh, the junior investigator and their home lives and stuff like that. And so I, I thought it was just unbelievably fascinating and, and unbelievably cool, actually, that there that some of the tropes and conventions associated with like detective fiction, the stakeout, you know, staying, you know, like. Uh, let's get the pizza and all these tropes you see in these types of buddy buddy films and stuff. Even though this is a non-narrative film, I shouldn't say non-narrative. I just say non-fiction, because um, yeah. uh, it certainly has a narrative to it. It's it's fascinating to see him and now that you mentioned his previous work, kind of like take traditional themes and subvert them somewhat. Uh, sure. Yeah. You know, because I don't think we I think we think about the content of the movie so much that we don't stop and talk about the reflexive properties of it. The oh. fact that there's always somebody there. F- you know, there's a cameraman always present as they're doing everything, and we kind of forget about the cameraman because they're the people that are. You know, we're we're shooting people that are shooting. Right. You know? Yeah. That, in other, you guys right. know what I mean. 
Yeah, he doesn't let us do that. You know, he's very he's in there. At least in this one. At least in this one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, another like kind of just quick side note. Uh, we were talking about Netflix earlier and Blockbuster. If you if anyone's interested in um in the genesis of Netflix and its competition with Blockbuster and this whole online thing and all that, there's a great book I read a while ago called Netflix. Um, it's it's by Gina Keating. It's her first book. She's a journalist. It's called Netflix: The Epic for America. I'm sorry, The Epic Battle for America's Eyeballs. I read it about uh, maybe. Uh, six months a year ago it's I remember fascinating it, it's absolutely fascinating i'll link to it on the show notes at that's a wrap show.com but it's it's really worth reading it, it tells you how netflix came to, to to the dominant position that it's in and, and the most interesting part is how actually how blockbuster tried and failed to to yeah. um, to, to compete and how and how maybe blockbuster could have actually Overtaken them if they if they had done things a little differently, it's 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 well worth reading if you're if you're interested in these things. Um, it's pretty much nothing to do with uh, the MPAA rating system, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, you know whatever. It's um, it's fun. To say to you guys. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, and with this, we'll, we'll wrap and we'll go to uh, we'll go to segment two. Uh, so, stay tuned for segment two, which is uh, about our foreign films we think you should probably watch. Welcome to segment two of episode 14. We're going to talk today about our, uh, some foreign films we've watched recently that are uh, all available streaming right now. That you can watch. Uh, we're just looking, you know, to kind of give some exposure to things that you might not have seen. Uh, I'm going to have Chris start us off because this was his idea. <laughs> well, the, the genesis... And, and because he's chewing. <laughs> I'm chewing my pizza here. Uh, <clears throat> the genesis of this was just the idea of talking about our favorite foreign films. Um, I've been teaching a history of film class, and one of the assignments is for them to um, look at foreign films and write a blog about them from whatever particular era we happen to be studying. So uh, I thought that I would um, suggest that we talk about this, because I think sometimes with when you're talking about, in, in a lot of, Podcasts and just general Hollywood discourse, you you know, foreign films kind of get the short shrift. So um, the film that I would like to talk about um, is a fairly recent film, as far as um, uh, as far as this particular genre goes, uh, 1999, and this is um, Subash Guy's uh, Tal, T A A L, and it should be no surprise to anybody who is familiar with. Um, my particular research interest that this is a musical, specifically yes, I, I a, know it through you. a Bollywood uh, musical. And um, oftentimes <clears throat> when talking about Bollywood, I'll have students or I'll have other people who will ask me, you know, what is, what's, what's an accessible entry point to, to Bollywood? Because I, I'm, I'm not familiar with it. I, I, I wouldn't even know a Bollywood film if I saw it. Or you know what are what are some of the characteristics of the genre? You know what what what's an accessible entry point? And I think Tal is really nice in that it's not too long. I mean it's it's long in the sense that it's you know it's 181 minutes, so it's three hours. Uh, but it's 
if you're going to get into Bollywood cinema, one of the things that you need to realize is that uh, Bollywood films are long. Uh, mm-hmm. They can go from three to four hours. Musical numbers can go seven, eight, nine, ten minutes in length. It's it's not unheard of. Um, but on the flip side, um, these films are uh, they come from a tradition called masala films, which and, you know, if, if you're familiar with Indian cooking, masala is this blend of spices that's all put together to make a dish. And a masala film is a film that is a mix of genres. It's a hybrid genre. But the base genre, the base spice of masala films is the musical. Uh, the majority of uh, Bollywood films are musicals. And Tal is no exception. But Tal is a musical melodrama comedy about families and another good reason to see it is it has the absolutely phenomenal music of A.R. Rahman who won the Oscar for his scoring Uh, yeah sorry Nick Uh, he stole the Oscar away from Thomas Newman are you happy Nick? (laughs) are you you happy with that? (laughs) he stole the Oscar away from Thomas Newman for his (laughs) score with Slumdog Millionaire and, you know, no, Thomas Newman is no slouch, but on the flip side, A.R. Rahman has scored uh, well over 200 films. Um, in in India. Yes, in India. But <laughs> also remember that Bollywood uh, eclipses Hollywood in their amount of production. I know. Uh, I, mean, I agree. You know, yeah, they do. So, and I'm not saying that Bollywood is better. I'm just, I'm just saying A.R. Rahman's a, a fantastic um, composer, and he's very, he's very experienced. And his his songs are just so mellifluous, so beautiful. The production numbers, um, the musical numbers, are beautiful to watch. Uh, added on to the fact that um, Tal stars the gorgeous Ashwarya Rai, who was voted uh, most beautiful woman in the world uh, a couple couple years running, uh, Indian actress, and has done many many Bollywood films. Um, and she's just absolutely stunning in this film. Uh, so that is my pick. Uh, not, I don't want to go too on, on too long about it. Um, Tal is available on Netflix. Uh, it is in Hindi with English subtitles. Uh, do not let the subtitles scare you, especially with a musical. You get to the point where you are, the mise-en-scene is so rich and so colorful. And that's the other thing I like about Bollywood films is they're colorful. Yeah, it, it's not a stale mise en scène. They just the, the costuming, the the props, the scenery is just it's a treat. It's like going to India whenever you watch these films. You want to grab you know some some uh, samosas and some uh, alasi and just sit down with some great Indian food and naan bread and just sit down with some great Indian food and dig into the film. Uh, and I know there's other other national cinemas that compare food with cinema like France, but I think India is really top of the list for me. So my recommendation is Tal, T-A-A-L. Uh, it's available on Netflix for uh, a primer on Indian cinema, specifically Bollywood. That's great, Chris. I, uh, I, I, am, uh, I have not found the ear or eye for Bollywood cinema yet. I, so that that might be good for me because I haven't, I just don't get it. <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll watch it with you. I'll watch so, it with well, you. You don't have to. I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. Trust me. Like, like Nick will tell you, if you tell me to watch it, I'll watch it. It oh, might yeah. take a while, but I'll watch it. But that's great. I'm really glad for that uh, suggestion because that might be a good entry point for me to finally get it. Uh, Nick, what you got? 
Uh, okay, just a little qualifier. I yeah, uh, Roman for me. I the only problem I had, it's not with him personally. Like like Chris said, he's he scored, you know, so many films and stuff. It's just that Thomas Newman had gotten the, the crap end of the stick so many years in in uh, at the Academy Awards. I mean, it's become a joke actually. Uh, when they were interviewing people about who had been nominated several times and never won, one of the first people they, they the very first person they have in the skit is Thomas Newman, um, and that's usually because he wins over something that's fatty that year, you know, and fatty that year was like you know Hindu music in the film, so mm-hmm. he won and like but so Thomas Newman has been giving us like incredibly powerful f- motion picture scores for you know 25 years. Yeah. Some some that are just inseparable from the from the films they were made. Poor guy. I think if I can just interject though. No, I'm sorry, but uh, I would beg to differ and take exception to the idea that Indian music in Hollywood cinema is fatty, considering fatty. that it's been around since the nineteen twenties. I mean fatty as with, with D's. Fatty, as in no, it was I popular know it at that time, and no other time. When else had been and he been been nominated? Never. It was a. It was, this was Capley on the Slumdog Millionaire uh, uh, train. Uh, that's what was going on. Don't don't even go there. Uh, another Chris. discussion. I for will another I'll day. blow you out of the water on this. Newman's been nominated. I don't know what a dozen times over the past twenty five years. And then when when he he always lost to something that was sort of like some Disney film until they separated out the categories, right, right, because they were stealing it all. And so it was that Slumdog Millionaire train, you know, that that sort of seduced people, and they and he, he lost again, you know. And I what was he nominated for that year? I think Revolutionary Road. Revolutionary Road, yeah. And and, and you know, oh my God, a powerhouse score. Yeah, and it's so a I'm not saying score, that Indian music but... hasn't been around. Of course, it's been around. But you name me one other score from India that's won Best Original. Uh, score in a dramatic motion picture or whatever, and and uh, I, I'll I'll take my hat off to you because this never well, happened. No, it has never happened. But to call Indian music a, a fad in Hollywood cinema, that year, I, that year it was maybe fad. that year, but yeah. I I disagree. No, no, no. I mean, Indian music—that's like saying Brazilian is, music is, is, is still a fad in Brazil, into, or or Italian music. It's is, still is trying a fad. to break into Hollywood. I mean, I was saying it was fatty well, that year, and that's what cost him many of his Oscars was that he lost out to something that was popular. Yeah, it wasn't the music that was popular, it was the movie. Right? Yes, right. And, and, and yeah. And you know why? Do I know why? Yeah, yeah. this is why. No, mon- is that <laughs> the sound effect from Well, money? it's just not effect with the cash register. Yeah. Eh, I don't know, it wasn't, as, it wasn't as cool as I thought it was going to be. So, okay, so... <laughs> There you go. All right, yeah. now give us your give us your thing. Okay, so yes, for me, I chose "Hear My Song," um, the wonderful Peter Chelson film from 1991, "Hear My Song," which is a favorite of mine. This is a film from Ireland. Um, this was riding sort of the coattails of the Celtic Tiger in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, where Ireland was experiencing quite an economic boom experiencing a lot of national pride and certainly there was uh, real estate uh, um, developments going on all over Dublin, all over the rest of the country and the world was, you know, once again fascinated with Ireland. There was a, you know, uh, like the, a lot of Irish cinema was becoming quite popular at that time. Here my song kind of came in at the, uh, the, the sort of the middle to tail end of that and told the story of the Irish tenor Joseph Locke, 
who who made women weep when he sang. And um, he became a tax exile, as do many people in Britain, uh, and had fled um, and was living in isolation. And um, basically, they decided to, to make a film, sort of docu-comedy, docu-drama about Joseph Locke. Um, and it's, it, it turns out to be, for me, one of the most captivating, special, awesome little films that the 90s ever gave us. Uh, it stars uh, Tara Fitzgerald. Um, it has, uh, let me think, what's his name? Um, Adrian Dunbar in an early ro- role, I think right before he did The Crying Game. Adrian Bum- Dunbar plays Mickey O'Neill, uh, the protagonist of the story, Tara Fitzgerald, the, the lovely, English, uh, lovely English actress, plays Nancy Doyle, his sort of fiancé, girlfriend that he's having troubles with. Ned Beatty plays Joe, Joe Locke. Actually, and and is phenomenal in the part, considering Ned Beatty is not Irish. Uh, he's he just inhabits the role beautifully. I've shown here my song in in classes, uh, particularly history of film, and shown it to friends, and they always come away with just a great big fat smile on their face. It is guaranteed to just plaster a smile on your face. It's a ch- it's as it's as as charming as, you know, as Ireland is. It 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 just sort of like lassos you and brings you in and into this little strange world and of course the Ireland itself becomes a character in the film. Um you know, Roger Ebert gave it four and a half stars when it when it uh when it was re- when he reviewed it. And I'll, uh, I'll, I'll read you just his last paragraph here. He says, um, I was in a discussion the other day about the concept of a small film, and he has small film in quotes. We use the term as shorthand, but what does it mean? That a movie has no major explosions or special effects, I suppose, and contains no superstars, perhaps. But perhaps... Also that it prefers to look at people closely and with love instead of destroying dozens of them in high-speed chases. Here my song is the very soul of a great small film. So I would encourage listeners to uh, check out Here My Song. It's, it's, it's on, I, I bought it years ago uh, via Amazon UK. It, still never, it never got a, a, an NTSC uh, or Region 1 release. On DVD, but now it it's streaming in HD on on Netflix. And if you guys oh, want to just be enchanted, check it out. Oh, that's wonderful. That's I, great, Nick. Yeah, I'm gonna put that in my queue or list or whatever they call it these days. Yeah, that sounds great, man. You know, Nick, I think our listeners are gonna start a drinking game pretty soon. Every time you read a paragraph, <laughs> <laughs> time to drink. Oh, that was great, man. Thank you. Um, no, I and you know what's what I love about both of your um, suggestions. I haven't seen either one of them. Good, I've never, good. I've never heard of either one of them. So, oh, that's great. Yeah, maybe I'm showing my ignorance. Call I know through yeah. Chris. Yeah, so, so I'm, I am. This is great because I'm going to watch both of these. I'm really excited about that. Um, my, have yeah. you seen The Guard, Nick? The Guard. The Guard. Yeah, from 2011. Um, it's uh, it, it's uh, it's an Irish film as well. This is not my recommendation. It's an Irish film as well. With, well, with um, it's a very strange. Don Cheadle's in it. Uh, Brandon Gleeson's in it. It's 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 a very strange film oh, about uh, this um, small town policeman who uh, gets caught up in this international drug smuggling kind of thing, and it's uh, it's witty and fun and weird and grim and and, wow, and it's no. it's. It's really good. It's yeah. It's called The Guard. It was 2011. Um, 
directed by John Michael McDonough. I don't know. I don't know him, but um, it's uh, it's a pretty good film. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, if you're I'll, interested, I'll check it out. If you're interested in Irish film, that's not my. I love Irish cinema. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, you know, as, yeah. as 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 small a body of as it is. Right. Right. Um, as far as what well, in terms of what we get, right. Right. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty good film. Um, my my film, the film I'm going to recommend uh, this week is. I mean, this is not my. You know, it, it, the question is: Is this my favorite foreign film ever? No. <laughs> you know, is this, you know, this is something that I think you should watch. It, it should be good. But um, this one came from Nick, actually. Nick came back from one of his many outings uh, amongst the, uh, you know, the, the, the film nerds who know everything, I think. Right, Nick? And yes, you came I, back I and you were Columbus, like, yeah. you came in Columbus and you came back and you were like, you have to watch Headhunters. And I was like, oh, okay. And so, um and and you know Nick knows that I love Norwegian film. You know I in fact um, applied for a Fulbright fellowship early on in my graduate school days to uh, to Norway. I wanted to move to Norway for a year on a Fulbright fellowship to study Norwegian film. Like, I didn't I was, know that. That's really oh yeah yeah I didn't get it, uh, which is probably why you didn't know it. But um, I always wonder if I had gotten that. Like what would have changed in my life? But that's a that's a that's a subject for another episode. Um, that we never ever publish. But yeah, right. So and, and one of the things I like about Norwegian films is they're dark, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Norwegian insomnia, um, on which the uh, you know the the insomnia with Al Pacino is based. Um, much better film. They're very I just love Norwegian film. They're just so peculiar for the most part and uh, and dark and stuff. So Nick's like you have to watch Headhunters. <laughs> and I said, Yeah, okay. And I did it was great. You know, it's a lot of fun. It's dark and twisted, um, and it has. Um, it, it's directed by Morton Tildum, um, who I don't know, but but who you might know is the main actor, who um, whose name I have to know. Which one? There's there's up. Roger, and then there's the the Kloss guy, Kloss, whatever. The... Right, but but most people only know. The other dude, yeah, Nic- right. Nicolaj, Nicolaj, Valdo, Valdo. Yeah, yes. people will look will look at him and go, "Oh yeah, I know him." I know that guy, and they'll, you'll know him as Jamie Lannister from uh, from Game of Thrones. Right. Um, so um, I know he was in Mama as well. Yep. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, he was in Mama as well. Yep, yep, yeah. Nikolai Coaster Waldo, and he, you know, he plays this. Uh, it's called you know Headhunter. And he plays a. You know, I guess a headhunter, right? He uh, no, 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 he's the he's the guy that oh, the sorry, headhunter yeah. wants to wants to is considering for yeah. his position. Yeah, it's very complicated, actually, isn't it? You know, because he steals paintings. The headhunter does. From, yes. The headhunter steals paintings from from houses and because he's convinced his wife will leave him unless he keeps her like living in the lap of luxury yeah and that's what i love about it is that it's just kind of like, <laughs> he's trying to keep up appearances right so in order to kind of keep this hot girlfriend he had no reaching girlfriend right that he has um yeah wife, right? I think. It's his but wife, um yeah. yeah wife he has to like impress her with his money apparently still right and so he steals paintings on the sly right and then it just all goes downhill. Oh my God! Yes. So quickly, and he ends up being um. What was the word you used, Nick? You kept saying this. Uh, resilient. Resilient. That He's was like made of used. iron. Yeah. Yeah. 
he just no matter what happens so things get worse and worse and he kind of keeps popping back but <laughs> but but it just worse for wear it's so violent and and uh but but fun to watch you know in a lot of ways and and, and maybe in a way that only the Norwegians can do maybe I don't yeah. know well, yeah well I mean, uh, really is uh, just like you know in 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 the other films we've talked about is a character here Say that again. The the location of yeah. in Norway yeah. is a character. Of, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Particularly it as just, we get more rural and rural. Remember yeah. the out, outhouse scene? Holy cow. Yeah, the outhouse scene. Yeah, yeah. And that's often the case in in Norwegian cinema is that the 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 landscape becomes a character. It's this kind of very rough, rough rural, you know, kind of bright, snowy kind of place. And it's just, it's uh, it's it's a delight. It's a lot of fun to watch. You know. Um, and it's you know it's a thriller in a way it's it's very violent um but uh you know it kind of has a lot of twists and turns it's just a lot of fun to watch so if you're looking for something to watch a foreign film that's not super heavy because i wouldn't call this heavy would you nick uh no i it was kind of light i mean you don't know what i mean by light yeah i don't know the listeners will know what i mean by light but like I think it's light in that you're just not expected to take any of it all too seriously. Right. But yeah. because it is very complex. I mean, it's about a headhunter yeah. who's a jewel thief. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a jewel thief, but, a, <laughs> you know, it could, might as well be a jewel thief, right? You know, yeah. steals this, you know, like priceless <laughs> art. And yeah. it's just crazy, you know. Yeah, because he's trying to steal employees from other companies. <laughs> yeah. He's doing art on the sly, and then he gets set up by these other people who are, it's just, it's just very complex and weird. And, and it's just, it was just a lot of fun to watch you know and uh, it's a hundred minutes you know it's not that long and uh it's it's good so if you're looking i think if you're looking for just a random foreign film to watch you're trying to expand your horizons a little bit i think all three of our from what it sounds like from your descriptions i think any three of these sound like a really really good way to go Uh, and they're all on netflix right now you know you can you can punch them all up I'll, i'll i'll link to the uh um uh, Netflix streaming on uh, each of these on the show notes at that's a show.com and uh, you can check them out and let us know what you think too. Titles. Very diverse titles, yeah, Indian, Irish, Irish and Norwegian. Norwegian. Yeah, very diverse. And uh, <clears throat> we would, I think, all love to hear what you think of uh, each or any of these movies um, on the on our Facebook page or on our website. Uh, I think we would we would love to hear comments, and we'll definitely engage with you on uh, what you think of any of these for sure. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I think it's a great uh, a, a great revolving uh, uh, segment B that we can bring up every now and then. Yeah. We're always, I think, all of us and uh, listeners who are who have Netflix, we're always looking for something to watch on there. Always, you know, and uh, so here's a chance for us to sort of like. I don't know. Preview something. We can we can watch it for you guys and give you our our opinions of it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. We're always looking for suggestions and 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 uh, and we will, like you said, give opinions for sure. So that was a great segment too. Um, Nick, do you want to talk about the um, the thing? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we'd like to invite you all back here on in our next podcast. Uh, which will be a roundtable between uh, Eric, myself, and Chris of That's a Wrap, and uh, Rob St. Mary and Mike White of The Projection Booth, um, a really phenomenal podcast we're honored to call 
friends of ours, and we're going to get together and we're going to talk about the really, really heavy-duty, weighty issue of the current state of cinema. So you're going to have to tune in because the five of us are going to really hash it out and talk about what's going on with cinema right now. It's going to bring to fore so many of our previous episodes with regard to episode two and, and you know streaming and Netflix and digital culture and digital delivery and things like that and our episodes on gravity and discussion of spectacle and, and our discussions of uh, for the photochemical era versus the, the digital uh, that we're in right now via the documentary side by side and everything we've talked about is, is sort of been like moving forward to this one moment where I think the five of us can get together and really hash out where, where the state of cinema is right now. The good, the bad, the ugly, basically all of it. Yeah, and I, we're looking forward to that. We're going to record it next week, um, and it should be our next episode. If it's not, it'll be the episode after that, depending on uh, editing time. But, yeah, definitely stay tuned for that. And if you haven't checked out the projection booth already, you should definitely do so, and I'll put a link um, to that in the My favorite podcast next to ours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kind of the new kids on the block compared to them, but they, I mean, we're both Detroit-based, and uh, yeah, it should be it should be great. It's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. I'm really Me looking too. forward to that as well. Yeah, good, good. And so, um, yeah, once again, uh, as far as That's a Wrap goes, you can find us at thatsawrapshow.com. You can find us on Facebook. Just do a search. Uh, you'll find a little blue guy with the clipboard, or the clapboard, rather. We're on Twitter as well, at Rap Podcast. Uh, you can find gotcha. us there, and uh, we'll tweet you know, what's going on. I do some retweets once in a while, stuff like that. We love feedback, and uh, definitely stay tuned for the roundtable and, uh, in, a, in a week or two and uh, whatever we have coming next. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Good night. Cut. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.